If you have your Bibles and will, I invite you to turn with me to the Pentecost Scripture in Acts chapter 2. Luke writing Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthian, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And God, now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's Pentecost, one of the high holy Sundays in the Christian faith. There are four key events in the Christian faith that we try to make sure our confirmands and all of us know as Christians together. Christmas, with the birth of Christ, the coming of God in the flesh to live among us. Good Friday, when Jesus dies on the cross for us. The sacrifice that offers forgiveness of our sins. And Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus conquers both sin and death. And Pentecost. Pentecost, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. It's the birth of the church. Leading up to Pentecost, we've been looking at 40 days with the risen Christ and how Luke describes to us that after Jesus had died on the cross and rose again, he spent 40 days teaching the disciples the law, the prophets, the Psalms, about the kingdom of God, about repentance and forgiveness, about being witnesses of the faith. In other words, Jesus spent 40 days trying to make sure the church was ready to be the church. And the church can't be the church without knowing what it believes. And Jesus knew in just a few days, the Holy Spirit is going to breathe upon you in just a few days. God will pour out God's power upon you and you will then be birthed into the church. You will be empowered to be the church. You will be inspired to be the church. Are you ready to be the church? He had promised us 
the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, verse 49, he said, And see, I am sending upon you what the Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And here in Acts, if you just back up to chapter 1, verse 4, Luke says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Something was going to happen. The Spirit of God poured out in an amazing way. There was a sense of anticipation. There was a sense of excitement. And along with the sense of excitement, there's typically a, a little sense of fear. What is it going to be like? What is God going to do? What does it mean to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? What will that be like? Now, the Holy Spirit was not a new concept. It wasn't as if there was God the Father in the Old Testament, then Jesus the Son, and, and now it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity of God, which we'll look at next Sunday. It's part of the presence of God from all time. I mean, we see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when we hear the creation story, and we hear in that scripture, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew word is ruach. It means breath of God, the wind of God, the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was present at creation. Again, it's not a new thing. The disciples understood the gift of the Holy Spirit in the sense that even David, remember David's confession in Psalm 51? When David is confessing to God his sin, he says to him, Do not cast me away from your presence, Psalm 51 verse 11. And do not take your Holy Spirit, your Ruach, from me. And when we get to the Gospels, Luke, who wrote both Luke and Acts, and we've been looking at Luke over the last few weeks, Luke shared with us that when the birth of Jesus was announced, God says, the angel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. In Hebrew, it's Ruach. In the Greek, the New Testament's written in Greek, it's Pneuma, like pneumonia. It's where we get that breath, that wind, that Spirit of God. You remember at Jesus' baptism that the heavens open and, and we're told in Luke chapter 3 verse 22 that the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, descends upon him in bodily form. The concept of Holy Spirit was not new to them, but what did it mean that God would be pouring out his Holy Spirit on the church? What would it be like? So Jesus had told them over the 40 days, this is the story of the faith. This is what God is doing. This is why I came to be among you. This is about the kingdom of God. This is what the cross was really all about. This is what the resurrection does for the world. Now wait here. After the ascension, when they see the risen Christ become the exalted Christ, they wait for 10 days with joy 
excitement, anticipation. And we're told on the day of Pentecost, they had all gathered in one place. Now, Pentecost is an Old Testament holy day. It's the Feast of Weeks. The word Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after the Passover. It's a time to remember the, and give thanks to God for the wheat harvest. It's also a time to remember how God gave to Moses the law. They're all in one place. Who's the all? Was it just the 12 disciples were in one place? Possibly. But if you back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 15, we're told now there is a gathering of 120 believers. And now we're told they're all in one place. Perhaps the whole 120 gathered together and suddenly we're told from heaven. It's not an earthly gift. It's from heaven above. Just like when the heavens were opened at Jesus' baptism and the Holy Spirit is poured out, the heavens open again. Spirit is poured out now on the birth of the church. Holy Spirit at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Holy Spirit now at the beginning of the church ministry. The heavens open, a rushing, mighty wind comes and fills, we're told, the entire house. I would love to have seen the expression on the disciples' faces as they heard the noise, felt the breeze. This must be what Jesus had promised. And all of them, we're told in verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now this is not speaking in tongues or glossolalia as we will learn about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, etc. This is the gift of being able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ so that the world can hear it. I mean, that's what Jesus said the point would be. Go and make disciples. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses. And the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was to inspire and empower the church to be the church, proclaiming the good news of Christ. For example, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just back up one chapter. As Jesus is preparing them for Pentecost, He said, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke 24, verse 44, the scripture we've been studying together over the last several weeks. Hear these words again. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. When Jesus had proclaimed to them the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the kingdom of God, you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father has promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to allow the church to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to share this amazing intervention of God in our world. And that's why here in Pentecost in the scripture, Acts chapter 2 verse 11 says, in our own languages, the people are amazed. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. See, the church is inspired and empowered to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fred Craddock, 
was one of my mentors. He was a preaching professor of mine when I was at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University. I loved and adored him and the friendship that was created. In, in his commentary, actually on, on the gospel according to Luke, Craddock says these words, Pentecost completes Easter just as Easter completes Good Friday. Now listen to this. A church without Pentecost cannot shout, He is risen, loudly enough to sustain Easter week after week. Inevitably, there will come to such churches the post-Easter slump. Did you catch that? A church without Pentecost cannot shout, He is risen, loudly enough to sustain Easter week after week. You see, it takes the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to inspire and to empower and to lead the church to proclaim the risen Christ. N.T. Wright, another amazing biblical scholar that I love to read. He's a scholar at Oxford. He's written immensely. He was a bishop in the Church of England. N.T. writes in his book, Simply Christian, he says, the Holy Spirit and the task of the church, the two walk together hand in hand. We can't talk about them apart. The point of the Spirit, he says, is to enable those who follow Jesus to take into all the world the news that He is Lord and that He has won the victory over the forces of evil that a new world has opened up and that we are able to help make it happen. Without God's Spirit, he says, there is nothing we can do that will count for God's kingdom. Without God's Spirit, the church simply can't be the church. Without God's Spirit, the church simply can't be the church. Will Williman, great biblical scholar and preacher as well, said, the Spirit is the power which enables the church to go public with its good news, to attract a crowd, and to have something to say worth hearing. The Spirit of God is so vital. No wonder, no wonder Jesus spent 40 days trying to make sure that the church was ready to be the church. And then He knew, when I leave here, I will send you power. It is important that you wait right here because without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, you just can't be the church. And the calling of the church we see at Pentecost, we see as Jesus prepared us to receive Pentecost, was to share of a God who so loved the world that He would intervene, take on human form, live among us, humble Himself to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Jesus said the point of the church is to offer repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And again, repentance is not the finger of an angry God pointing at you in judgment, but rather repentance is the outstretched arms of a loving God calling you to turn from something that could otherwise destroy you. Repentance is a gift of love and 
grace. So Jesus said you're to proclaim repentance, but not only repentance, it's repentance and the forgiveness of sins. A new start, a clean start, a a restoration, a new beginning. That's the message of the church. To celebrate God's presence and God's power in our lives every day. To hear the words that Jesus said, I will never abandon you, but I am with you always. And to know in the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit, no matter what is happening in our lives, our God is present with us. Whether we're going through a valley, on top of a mountain, celebrating the greatest moments, enduring the worst. Our God is with us. And together our God is with us as the church, the body of Christ that's called to to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be at work in our world, loving our neighbors. Without the Holy Spirit, the church simply can't be the church. And Peter is able to stand up and proclaim this message of who Jesus Christ is. And he preached this message of the God who so loved the world. And catch this response in Acts chapter 2, skipping on down to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Turn and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not a gift just for a few. You will receive it as well. For the promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message and were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. Skipping down to verse 47, And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. My friends, it's Pentecost. It's the day we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it is the day we are reminded once again as the church to cry out, Come, Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Seeking God to pour out His Spirit again. We need Pentecost 2021. We need this in our world today. Our world today is is so hungry and so broken and struggling, seeking to find some sense of connection and purpose and identity and healing and grace. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Breathe, O breath of God, once again. For the Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in our lives. We do not have a distant God who is so far away, a God who just wound us up and then set us off to do whatever we wanted to do. We have a God who is intimately involved in our lives. The Ruach, the Numa, the outpouring of God's breath, His wind, His Spirit. In his book, Holy Spirit, Will Williman says, 
Christians are nothing without the Holy Spirit. Catch that. Christians are nothing without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is nothing less than a life and death matter for the people of God. Come Holy Spirit is the first and the last prayer of the church. See, the church was nothing more than a gathering of broken and confused people until God breathed His presence and power upon it. The church is a divine institution, yet it's filled up with fallible human beings. But what makes it different is God breathing upon the church. You know, the scripture says in Psalm 127, verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The church can't be the church without the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we just become a glorified social institution. But we're deeper than that. We're more than that. We include that, but we're more than that. Who are we? I love in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God creates the Adam, the human being, we're told that, that God formed him out of the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And we're told that the Adam, the human being, became a living being. The church is just a form, just a body, until God breathes upon it. And the church has to be open to receive this breath of God. And on Pentecost, God breathed onto the church, and that's what made it a living being. That's what made it a living entity. That's what gave Peter, the one who had denied Jesus three times, the, the power and the inspiration to stand strong and now proclaim the risen Christ, even to the very ones who had just crucified him. For the church to be the church today, we have to pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Willeman reminds us that enthusiasm, which means infused by God, was the frequent charge against John Wesley and Methodists. Wow. Wouldn't it be awesome today if the church was once again accused of enthusiasm, which means infused by God? Look it up. Enthusiasm infused by God. God infused. The church can't be the church unless we are God infused. And the revival of the church will only come from the rush of a mighty heavenly wind filling us with the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit empowering us to proclaim the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, to be unashamedly Christian, to be unashamedly a God-infused people, a God-infused church. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were known as Weddington God-infused church? Jesus was asking the disciples, are you ready to be the church. Man, he worked hard. Forty days after the crucifixion and the resurrection, 
after three years of ministry and mission, three years of healing, 40 more days, he wanted to make sure, are you ready? Peter had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, I can build a church on that that the gates of hell will never prevail against. But without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we just don't have the inspiration and the power. We are called to be enthusiastic. A people that are God-infused with the presence and power of Pentecost. One of my favorite hymns in the Methodist hymnal is, O Spirit of the Living God. Listen to these words. O Spirit of the Living God, Thou light and fire divine, descend upon thy church once more and make it truly thine. Fill it with love and joy and power, with righteousness and peace, till Christ shall dwell in human hearts and sin and sorrow cease. Come, Holy Spirit. Your world needs Pentecost again today. Come, Holy Spirit. Your church needs Pentecost today. Breathe on us, breath of God. Amen.